Hey boys, do you remember where we were? This is chapter six in the land of storytellers. Long-eared gnomes were talking all around them. Nobody took the slightest notice of the two children. They went up to a tall gnome with a long beard and spoke to him. Good morning. Please, could you tell us something? Anything you like, the gnome said at once, most politely. Could you tell us where the gnome sly one lives? asked Peter. Certainly, answered the long-beard gnome. Do you see that big building over there with the plants in tubs outside? Well, he lives there. He does, said Peter doubtfully. It, it looks like a concert hall or something to me. Does, does he really live there? Haven't I said so, said the gnome, frowning so crossly that Peter started back in alarm. All right, all right, said the boy, waving the gnome away. I believe you. Thanks very much. He took Mary's hand and they went to the big building. The great doors were open and they went inside. How strange. It certainly was exactly like a concert hall, for there were rows and rows of chairs there. There was a bent gnome sweeping the floor and Peter went up to him. Um... Where, where can I find the gnome sly one? he asked politely. Never heard of him, said the old bent gnome, still sweeping. But he lives here, said Peter. No, he doesn't, said the gnome, sweeping so near Peter's feet that the boy had to jump out of the way. Can't you see this is a concert hall? Does it look as if anyone lived here? You just got, you're just playing tricks on me. Get away with you. He swept his big broom at Peter and went over the little boy. Bump! And he jumped up, glaring angrily at the gnome and ran back to Mary. Sly one doesn't live here, he told her. What a storyteller that long-bearded gnome was in the marketplace. Well, come on, said Mary, anxiously to get out of the dark, cold hall. Yeah, we'll ask someone else. So they went out into the sunshine again and looked around. Standing in the middle of the road was a gnome policeman, his helmet shining brightly. They went up to him. Please, could you tell us where the gnome sly one lives? asked Peter. Yes, said the policeman, and he pointed up the street. You walk up the hill there and down the other side and turn right at the baker's shop and you'll find it is a house with a bright yellow door. Oh, thank you so much, said Peter gratefully. He took Mary's hand, and off they went up the hill. We should have asked the policeman before, said Peter. Policemen always know. They reached the top of the hill and went down the other side, and they came to a road that led off to the right and turned down it. Now we must look for the house with the yellow door, said Peter. So they began. The first door was a blue one. The next one, a green one. The third one, a black one. They went all down one side of the road. Then they began on the other side. There wasn't a single house with a yellow door. Not one. That's strange, said Peter, puzzled. Do you think the gnome's door used to be yellow? And he's just had it painted another color? asked Mary. Well, we'll ask, said Peter. He knocked at the nearest door. And when it was answered by a little gnome servant, he asked her politely, 
Which door on the road had once been yellow? Uh, all of the doors were yellow yesterday, said the little servant gnome with a giggle. And she slammed the door in Peter's face. He stood looking at it, red and angry. Mary pulled his arm. The people are all mad, she said. But Peter, saw Peter suddenly knew better. Why hadn't he thought of it before? They're not mad, he said. They're storytellers. Aren't we in the land of storytellers? Well, we can't expect anyone to tell the truth then. Oh, said Mary, dismayed. Of course, I hadn't thought of that. I suppose everyone tells us untruths no matter what we ask them. So goodness knows how we shall find out where Sly One lives, groaned Peter. Look, Mary, there's a little seat by the side of the road. Let's sit down and eat an apple. If only we could find someone as nice as the cuckoo. She didn't mind what she did to help us. There aren't many people like that, said Mary wisely. They sat down on the seat and munched apples. A little boy gnome ran up and stared at them. He held out his hand for a piece of apple. Suddenly, Peter had an idea. He took another red apple and held it out to the little gnome. You can have this if you tell me something, little gnome, said Peter. Where does Sly One live? He lives in the cave on hillside yonder, said the gnome, his eyes gleaming at the side of the apple. He pointed to where Green Hill rose. His cave has a round blue door with a big gold knocker on it. That's where Sly One lives. Thank you, said Peter, and he gave the gnome the apple, and he ran off munching it. Well, it seems as if we've found out at last where Sly One lives, said Mary, finishing her apple. Come on, Peter, let's go up the hill. Off they went. The hill was steep, but a little winding path led upwards, and they followed it. They came to the cave and saw it. It had been it had a round blue door fitted on it, and there was a bright golden knocker on the front. Peter was just about to knock when Mary saw a notice by the side of the door, and she read it. The Cave of Surly, the Black-Tempered Gnome, she read it. Don't ring or knock. Look, Peter, she said in surprise. Whatever does this notice mean? Peter read it and then frowned. It means that that little boy gnome has told us a story too, he said gloomily. I shouldn't think Surly One lives here, unless he lives with Sir... Uh, I shouldn't think Sly One lives here, unless he lives with Surly. They would make a good pair. Well, shall we knock and see? said Mary. It does say, don't knock or ring, but surely the knocker must be meant for knocking. Peter knocked loudly, for he was now feeling very bad-tempered. The knocker clanged on the door with a most surprising noise. A growl arose from inside. Then the children heard the clatter of quick, angry footsteps. The door was flung open, and out came an ugly gnome with the most bad-tempered face that Peter had ever seen. He whirled his arms around and shouted angrily, Get away! 
Be off with you. Run along. Grrr. You ought to be a dog, said Peter, disgusted. And then, to the children's enormous astonishment, the gnome at once changed into a big dog, who ran at them, showing his teeth and growling fiercely. Peter caught hold of Mary's hand and ran down the hill as fast as he could. The gnome dog stopped halfway down, changed himself again, and laughed loudly. Peter and Mary gazed at him and thought he was the most unpleasant person they had ever met. "'Why ever did you say he ought to be a dog?' said Mary. "'It was a very dangerous thing to say.' "'Well, how was I to know he'd turn into a dog just because I said that?' said Peter, still feeling cross. "'I expect that horrid little gnome we gave an apple to thought it was a great joke to send us up to Surly's cave. Nasty little creature!' "'What shall we do now?' asked Mary, as they went down the hill. "'We shall never find out where Sly One lives at this rate.' "'I don't know what to do,' said Peter gloomily. "'We can't get sense or truth out of anyone here. "'I'm sorry for Fenella. "'If she lives here, poor little girl.' "'Oh, Peter, we must think of something,' said Mary. "'Oh, I know.' Couldn't we find someone who doesn't belong to the land of storytellers, and then perhaps they would tell us the truth, and we could find out what we want to know? That's a good idea, Mary, said Peter, cheering up at once. We ought to be able to see a, a pixie or a, a brownie who knows who doesn't belong here, but is just visiting. We'd better go back to the marketplace. There are more people there. So back they went. The marketplace was just as crowded as ever, but as the children could see, there was no one there but gnomes. And they must and they must belong to the land of storytellers. They looked about everywhere for an odd pixie or a brownie, but could but not one could they see. Then suddenly they saw a peddler carrying a tray open in front of him. It was slung around his neck by a ribbon, and the peddler looked like a pixie, and had a jolly, smiling face. Look, said Mary, let's ask him. I'm sure he's not a storyteller. So Peter went up to the storyteller, who at once said in a loud voice, Ribbons, buttons, cottons, silks, hooks and eyes, tapes, scissors, thimbles, ribbons, buttons, cottons, silks. Hooks and eyes. You've said that all once, said Peter. Wait, I, I, I want to ask you something. Ribbons, buttons, cots, silks, began the peddler again. But Peter wouldn't let him go on. Stop, he shouted. Do you know where the gnome sly one lives? At once the peddler turned pale and looked around as if he were afraid of someone hearing what they had said. "'Sly one, did you say?' he said in a whisper. "'Why do you want to know about him?' "'Because he's captured a great friend of ours, and we want to rescue her,' said Peter. "'Oh, I wouldn't go near that gnome, if I were you. I, I really wouldn't,' said the peddler earnestly. "'He's very wicked and very powerful, and has turned lots of people into earwigs and slugs and snails.' Oh, dear, said Mary, who didn't like the sound of that at all. 
I don't care what Sly One has done, said Peter stoutly. We've got to rescue the poor little Fenella. The peddler, peddler, we have asked ever so many people here where the gnome lives, and they've told us all wrong. Can you tell us truthfully? Oh, oh yes, said the peddler. I don't belong to the land of storytellers, you know, so I speak the truth. I wouldn't live here for anything. Why, the people can't even tell you the right time. Well, where does the gnome live? asked Peter. He lives in a very tall castle just on the border of this country, said the peddler. It doesn't have any doors at all except one, which disappears as soon as the sly one has gone in or out. Goodness, then how shall we get in to rescue Fenella? cried Mary in dismay. There are always the windows, said the peddler. Will you tell us how to get to the castle? asked Peter. I'll come with you if you'd like, and show you the way, said the peddler, peddler obligingly. The children were delighted to hear this. The peddler made his way down the street with Peter and Mary behind him. As he went, he cried his wares. Ribbons, buttons, cottons, silks, eyes, tapes, scissors, thimbles. The children followed him through the town and out into the countryside beyond. When he had passed all the people, he stopped calling out and beamed around at the children. My name's Popoff the Peddler, said Peter, uh, said, he said. Well, that's a strange name, said Mary. Why are you called that? Well, I'm always popping off in different places, you know, said the peddler. What's your names? I'm Peter, and my sister is Mary, said Peter. Is that the castle very far off, Popoff? I'm getting rather hungry. The peddler rummaged around in his silks and cottons and found a paper bag. He handed it to the children. There's a lunch, enough lunch for all of us there, said he said. Peter undid the bag. There was a there were tomato sandwiches, slices of currant cake, and some sweets. It was a very nice lunch, and they all munched joyfully as they walked along the dusty road. The hedges were white with May and the Cuckoos loudly called all around them. They reminded the children of the cuckoo in the clock, and they did wish she could be with them. After all, after some time, they passed round the front of the hill, and there, rising steeply on the farther side, was a strange sort of castle. It was more like one great tower than a castle. It rose up high, almost to the clouds. As the children drew near, they could see there was no door at all, and that the windows were set so high up it would be impossible to climb up them. Is that where Sly One lives? asked Peter in dismay. It is, said Popoff. If the princess is there, she will probably be in the very topmost room of the tower. That's where Sly One keeps his prisoners. Look, said Peter suddenly, pointing up to the top of the tower. Do you see that handkerchief waving from the window there, Mary? Surely that must belong to Fenella. Perhaps she has seen us coming. Ribbons, cottons, said Popoff in excitement. That must be the little lady, sure enough. But how in the world are you going to get to her? The children walked around the strange tower-like castle. 
it was impossible to find a door. And just as impossible to reach a window. If they couldn't get inside, how could they get Fenella out? They sat down under a bush so that if the gnome should come along, he wouldn't see them. Then they all frowned and thought hard. If only we could borrow a ladder, said Peter. Impossible, said Popoff at once. He was frowning so hard that the children couldn't see his eyes. Suddenly he leapt to his feet in a sort of an excitement and and crying, Ribbons, buttons, buttons and ribbons. Of course, of course. Popoff, whatever is the matter, said Peter in surprise. Do be quiet, the gnome might hear you. Popoff sat down in a hurry. Well, well, I've... I've thought of the most marvelous plan, he said. Really wonderful. I have a little friend, a brown sparrow, that I once saved from a cat. It's always come to me when I whistle for it, and and it will help us save Vanilla. Y- yes, Popoff, but how? said Peter doubtfully. Look here, said the peddler in excitement, showing them the rolls of ribbons and tapes in his basket. I've got something here much better than a ladder. I've got strong ribbons and tapes that will make a fine rope, long enough and strong enough to rescue anyone. But how will you get it up to the top window? asked Peter. That's where my friend the little sparrow comes in, said Popoff gleefully. I'll give him a piece of ribbon to take in his beak and it will be tied to a rope made of tape and ribbon below, and he will fly up to the window with it and give it to the princess. She will draw up the rope and tie it to her bed or something, and then let herself down safely. What do you think of that plan? Splendid, said the, cried the children in delight. Mary hugged Popoff joyfully. Really, what good friends they've ha- found in their adventures. First, we'll make a rope of ribbons and tapes, said the peddler. He quickly unrolled the ribbons and shook out the tapes, and the children watched him begin to plait a strong rope. He did did it so quickly that they could hardly see what he was doing. But soon he had plaited a ribbon rope and began to coil it around him as he worked. The children tried to help, but they could not work half so quick as the excited peddler, so they soon gave it up and watched his clever hands weaving it in and out. "'You've made miles, I should think,' said the children at last. "'Well, we want a long rope to reach right up to that high window,' said the peddler. "'Oh,' said the peddler. He looked at the ribbon rope around him. "'Still, I think, I think that's about enough.' Now I'll whistle for my little friend. He put two fingers to his mouth and gave a long, trilling whistle, repeated three times. The children waited. For three minutes, nothing happened. And then they saw a small speck hurtling through the air towards them. It was a little brown sparrow. It chirped joyfully when it saw Popoff and flew on his shoulder, lovingly pecked at his ear. Listen, bright eyes, said Popoff to the waiting sparrow. I want your help. Do you see that high window up there with the handkerchief waving out of it? Well, I want you to take this little blue ribbon in your beak and fly up there with it. 
and give it to the person in the room, and she will know what to do with it. Chirp, chirp, said the sparrow, at once took the end of the ribbon in its beak and flew away, and the children saw that it was mounting higher and higher towards that little window at the top of the castle. The blue ribbon fluttered out behind it. It flew right in the window and then flew out again without the ribbon. Someone inside began to haul up the ribbon swiftly, and the ribbon and the ribbon rope, which was tied on a long way below the ribbon, and it rose higher and higher up the tower walls. The children watched in excitement. Soon Fenella will appear and climb down them. Dear little Fenella, it would be so lovely to see her again. That's the end of the chapter. The next chapter is chapter 7, Sly One, the Gnome, again. Should you love you, boys. Good night.